Sam, welcome to the podcast. If you could just start off by telling us a little bit, a little bit about your career so far and your company at Old Sam. Well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on both. As I said, I've, I've, I've heard of your podcast. I've seen the previous guests you've had on. So really uh, uh, big thanks for, for having me on. I hope this uh, is an interesting, uh, insightful uh, session. So I'll do my best to share, you know, share what I've learned over the last couple of years, both from previous work and also obviously Old Sam, which I'm sure we'll cover in a bit more detail. But big thanks for having me on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm the co-founder of Old Sam, the Sam in Old Sam. So I'm the, the, the brother of Ollie, who's my one of my four other brothers, um, and, uh, yeah, essentially, you know, we, we started our business three years ago in COVID. Um, and I'll come on to a bit about that story of how, how it got going and, and things like this. And, and, and prior to all Sam, um, I used to live in America. So I spent a bit of time in the U S and, and, and I worked abroad and we can come on to a bit about why I think that's an awesome thing people should try and do if they can. Um, and then prior to that, I spent a couple of years working for Amazon um, in their marketplace team, helping UK European entrepreneurs sell on, on on the platform. And saw how you know love or hate Amazon, and there are people who are probably listening to this who you know who, who probably sit in both camps, and that's fair enough. But what I saw was a platform that created incredible entrepreneurs, mum and pup shop businesses, you know, building profitable companies from their bedroom. Very cool. These are like highly profitable, growing triple digits every year. Um, with incredible founder stories. So, you know, I, I've got quite a strong affi- uh, affinity with the platform, but appreciate people listening to this might have strong views either way, which is which is totally fair. And then prior to that, uh, I worked for a startup when I left uh, when I left Durham. So Durham, I read uh, Politics and International Relations there. Uh, didn't want to go into that when I left uni and, uh, and uh, eventually went to startups when I left there. That was back in 2015. So that's kind of a, a brief, a brief overview. Yeah, and did you always see yourself as an entrepreneur, which you might be labelled as now, or was that something that came with time in your sort of more corporate career? Mm, so basically, my uh, my dad, um, I was going to say Ben, because Pete knows uh, my, my, my brother, uh, but uh, uh, our dad, he, he's uh, he's worked for uh, himself uh, as an entrepreneur, I'd say since his like, mid-40s. He's now like late 60s, and, um, you know, he's always, um, you know, he, he shared the ups and downs with us and the challenges of kind of, you know, taking that taking that kind of quite lonely road um and undoubtedly it's super challenging but he 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 loves it and continues to to love it now um but i think you know what i recognized early on was i had to um i didn't know what i wanted to do at all no idea i knew i also didn't want to go i'm I'm really bad at uh numbers not very good at numbers uh ollie's fantastic my co-founder he's a qualified accountant but i'm not i also didn't want to go to like a a formal qualification, like do my accountancy, uh, go into investment banking, uh, a lawyer like my other brothers. Um, so kind of didn't know what to do. So Amazon at the time was a great training in e-commerce. I love, I buy stuff online. Um, I kind of was interested in doing my own thing. But I didn't know what. Um, so I think that gave me a great training for the first couple of years there. Then whilst I was there, so I was kind of, I was there at 23. I had my own, I started a, my own side hustle there, um, which was a, a stationary business so I w- went to China saw some products uh, selling notebooks and actually that became the number one selling stationary brand within its category in the US so I grew that to about a million turnover as a side hustle um, and then sold it uh, after about three three years or so and I loved that journey like growing from zero to one and the challenges you've got there of putting all your money into that first shipment of products and you're like I literally don't have any more and then you get customers leaving amazing reviews. And they're like, this is amazing. This is just a notebook. But to them, with the packaging, with the thought, with the brand, um, it's way more. 
Um, and eventually, you know, our product became very popular in um, in um, pregnancy diaries. So if women who are having postnatal depression or, you know, uh, challenges with pregnancy, they that, they used it for that. Didn't had never planned it to be to, for that for that use. Um, but anyway, that that was that got the bug going. Um, and um, and then I think, you know, really, I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or who I wanted to do it with. Um, and that's where I think timing comes into it as being uh, pretty uh, fortuitous that um, you know, this idea came up and I found the, the best co-founder I could ask for in my other brother. Uh, so, yeah, yeah and, and on that, you, you mentioned sort of knowing what you're good at and knowing what your brother's good at and and uh, delegating responsibilities and how important that is to mm. the success of a company. Um, obviously, you've got a, a massive team now, um, you know, three years on from starting it. But in that initial phase of actually growing your team, you know, similar to picking your co-founder, how did you know who was next to hire based off your skill sets and what you didn't have? Great question. Great question. So, how did I know who to hire? Truthfully, we didn't. Um, and I think I was asked this recently about you know some of the biggest learnings we've had um, building our company. So as I said, so you know my my expertise is I guess branding, marketing, um, sales that side. Ollie's is you know finance M and A. Um, he's a qualified accountant. So tick off those two boxes there's two broad um, categories there and then you have to kind of think about right if we're gonna uh, you know achieve this achieve this uh, the, the initial goals who do we need to bring in um, and I think you know we made some early hires very early on who uh, were the wrong hires for us um, uh, not so much just purely because they, they weren't suitable for startups um, and I think one of the biggest learnings I've had is there are decisions that were made three years ago. These like one or two way door decisions. If you guys have come across these and, and essentially like decisions that you can back out of quite easily. Um, and these were decisions at the time that I had no expertise in. Um, and we're unpicking those mistakes now, three years later. Um, so yeah, big, uh, big learnings made there. So truthfully, you know, you, you, you test for, for culture and a culture fit and then also expertise and people who are wicked smart, who are suitable for the role comes across in the early interview process, but at that cultural side, that's very hard to find. And again, people ask, "How do you know?" And my genuine response is, "You just know." When you sit, like we sit together now, I'm feeling very comfortable. I think it's it's, it's a good energy, right? But you sometimes we've had it where you know you've, you've met people, and there's just not there's not that you're mm. not. It's just does it doesn't it initially feel right? And every time we've made the wrong hire. Every time you buy ninety nine percent of the time that and that good feeling hasn't been there, but we've decided to go for it because we typically have had to because we really need to fill the role. And I was always told never fill the role if you don't have to. And we we didn't make, we we uh, we messed that up. Um, so obviously something you've learned. But I mean, maybe for someone like myself, I'm looking for a job right now. I'm a student. I've got no experience in the world. I feel like I'm I've got personality. I'd be able to resonate with you or another you know employer. How would I build that sort of, how would I make myself more, you know, um, impressionable towards like an employer like yourself and, and, and sell myself in that way? So I noticed you guys had uh, Matthew uh, from Jumpstart on the program before. And I, I think we did it's a co-founder, Kabir, yeah. Yeah, do you mean it's, okay, Kabir, yeah. So we, we, we've hired a couple of Jumpstarters uh, at Olsam. Um and I was asked yesterday by someone on the program, you know, what, what, exactly that, exactly the question you asked just now. I think 
the first thing I'd say is like by and large, you know, most people interviewing it probably will be their first, I guess, um, formal role. I'd imagine uh, it might be second, but let's just say it's the first one. So the thing I'm really looking for and the thing I'm kind of really looking to draw out is, you know, am I is this company one of many you're interviewing for, which it may be? Or is it like, no, I love e-commerce and I love consumer goods and this is my passion because one day I want to be a, a founder of a consumer goods company or a founder of an, on, an online business, take broader. So what I'm really looking for is like, do I genuinely feel they're passionate about this or is this just a, I'm one of a, many startups they're interviewing for because they don't know, which is fine, but we do interview people who are very passionate about you know online so for us it's kind of really getting that passion coming across early on and it could be you know sam i've got a uh you know i, I flogged um i don't know stationery at uni for like a, a year when i first started or i used to sell campus t-shirts whatever it is but that very basic like bought it for x sold it for y this is the delta happy days and and, and um and that kind of that that principle that's really interesting for me um, I'm conscious. How do you explain what All Sam is? So you're, you're, probably people don't know what. what Go for it. Shoot. Yeah. yeah I'm... Sorry. So I to edit this earlier on, but yeah. All Sam is basically so we um, we uh, are an e-commerce platform. We we partner with entrepreneurs all over the world, um, and we buy their business 100, percent um, and then we grow it with our team in house. So we've got a team across supply chain, finance, branding, marketing to take this brand to new heights. Um, we launch it on new channels. We launch new products. We launch it on social. Um, and the business owner who we bought it from shares in the upside with us. So we, we sort of pay them earn out after, after every year. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a win-win for them and it's a win-win for us because we get to grow the business and then have our team of, of experts take it to, to new heights. Um, so we're a team of 60 now sitting across or 65 sitting across uh, you know, the UK, America and California, India, Philippines, South Africa. Um, and all over um and yeah we've raised you know 170 million now in uh, in terms of uh, seed series a uh, funding uh, credit and, and debt and uh, and equity and um yeah it's been a, an, an amazing journey so far yeah let's just talk about that journey a little bit let's hone in on it as you say raised over 170 million was it you've got peter thiel i read as one of technically a strategic partner the first founder uh, one of the first investors in facebook yeah as you say, offices around the world. How has that journey been for you and, and your brother? Yeah. Um, as someone, maybe you know, you just started selling stationery, and now, yeah. and now this, this is what you, your life. So I think the way I always start this is like, imagine where were you guys when um, COVID, you know, just started to? I guess when it was locked down. Like, what, where, where, when, when you heard the message come out on the news and you watched uh, Boris, you know, announce, um, you know, that the lockdowns. Like, where were you at that time? I was. At school, so it was my last year of school. Uh, the first, well, it's a similar. This is kind of when it first sunk in. A similar message two days before that, when I got realised my my exams were cancelled, yeah. and that was kind of the, when it sunk in. That, that was the lockdown basically when it started for me. It was eighteenth of March, twenty twenty. I was a ski instructor in Canada on the slopes when I got the news. Oh, the the, the mountain just got closed, and I was up there seriously. Making my, yeah, literally, I was. I saw the BBC News notification. Had to ski down my last ever one round. Really? Yeah. And and then were you by yourself there? Uh, you, you, no, I was with other people. Yeah, we, yeah. we had some some beers at the top of the mountain to <laughs> say goodbye to the world for yeah, a bit. Yeah, no, no I and mean, I always ask that question because I, I, everyone seems to remember exactly where they were, and it typically was you know really um, you know that that moment it kind of won't. I don't think will leave me for a long time. But I I, um, I was in uh, I was walking down Broadway in New York, uh, and uh, it was dead and 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 the city was was in the process of it It took about three days to go really quiet and this was kind of day two 
Um, and I was there selling uh, Fever Tree, you know, the drinks mm-hmm. uh, business. My job there was to go around. I basically ran the restaurant and bar trade in New York selling this product. So Fever Tree is launching in America. They need to get presents. My job was to go around and sell it. And everything was shutting down. And, um, you know, a city as loud as that, it was completely quiet, apart from the sirens around the city. And this is a time where you've got, you know, Donald Trump, obviously, um, you know, was president, you know, who was denying that it was spreading. So New York was hit really quite badly and really late. And I'm by myself in this city with a pretty basic insurance package. Obviously, in the US, you need to have health insurance. But at the time, Donald Trump announced that, you know, if you were a UK citizen or if you weren't American and it was between a US citizen and a non-American citizen um, and there was one ventilator, they would get it and and, 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 and I, you know, one wouldn't. Uh, and uh, I spent eight weeks in my apartment, in this tiny apartment in uh, in New Jersey where I was living with three others, one of whom got COVID quite badly from a Hindu in New Orleans. She came back um, and uh, we all got it. And I lost my sense of uh, taste for, for nine months. I had no, no smell or taste for nine months uh, whilst... Uh, after that and I kind of like I remember yeah you're in the tiny apartment and you're hearing these sirens going and it was and, and there was this big ship coming down the, the Hudson and it was all like really really scary um, and basically my job I had obviously couldn't do my job anymore so there I was working in a finance team they were being really good to me basically saying you don't have to be here and this guy's to be honest like this was my it was my dream to live in America I kind of had left London quite um you know slightly like I kind of wanted to change a scene and um, I was gutted. Um, I remember that feeling. Like I was so gutted that what I'd, I'd fought so hard to try and, you know, get after eight months had been just, like, gone. Um, and, um, you know, I, I remember, like, going for these walks along the river with my ha- housemates being like, this is so, what is going on? You know, really, really, really scary times. Anyway, I flew back to the UK. I remember on the flight, just it was about four of us on this huge 777 plane pretty scary yeah, if you go top no one there just four of us uh and um really flying a night flight it's a, it's a scary experience wouldn't wouldn't recommend it um but anyway i worked for for them um for fever tree remotely in, in the uk they supported me through that and i worked us hours they continued to pay me um but um but yeah then i sort of saw this idea in the us taking off this us company was buying profitable companies and growing at a rate like insanely quick rate and profitable so i messaged ollie who at this time was doing flying back and forth still flying they were making him fly he's the only one flying on the airplane um back and forth to to switzerland and we started exchanging emails didn't want to start a business with my sibling i don't know if you guys or anyone listening to this could think about starting a company with their Siblings, brothers, not sisters. Mine. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> for the record. So I don't know. Say, like, have a think. Like if it ever would cross your mind, because it didn't cross my mind. And then you suddenly realise actually this could work. And Ollie quite liked the idea, and we we're bouncing ideas off each other. And that, so the first email went out on April first, twenty twenty. And from there, we had obviously full time jobs, and we were doing pitching. First time trying to put a pitch deck together sending out emails to investors um and it took yeah about uh, until december to uh, to sign so when the money literally hit the bank account i, I, I resigned from fever tree um and went full-time so um yeah yeah and just on the sort of the subject of struggling and the change in lockdown one of the things that happened to me personally was i went from i was on my year out yeah. and i went from you know school like boarding school where there's just a load of structure and accountability and, and then having absolutely nothing to do. And, and that for me, that really, like, 
tore me apart and I couldn't really put my efforts into anything. And, and I, I know, you know, looking at your LinkedIn, that you, you went to Radley College, which is also boarding school, and, yep. and somewhere it was like very hard deadlines, a lot of accountability. And then at Durham, very much the same. And even at Amazon, high, you know, targets to hit, etc. And you start this this business. It's you and your brother. Nobody told you accountable what you do, and, and it's very different to everything you've experienced before. How did you find that sort of not having that accountability, and and how do you reflect on that whole experience? That's a really interesting observation because that's that's something that um yeah I, I think bef- before you've um essentially take it formally taken the plunge and, and actually have a you know um uh, you know cash in the bank you're right you're kind of slightly um slightly drifting to try and kind of you're trying to achieve this goal but there isn't anyone telling you you know what to do or or you should be doing more of this or exactly the deadlines it is it's really hard and i and i actually i realized um that i am pretty good at setting my own uh, what i think are objectives and and when in the absence of 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 a of a of a boss or teacher or lecturer whatever it is you need um ollie and i are pretty good at that um but i have to say like exactly right when we went on this journey it was hard because you you suddenly you're the one deciding on a monday morning here's my list i've had i've had 30 no's last week um i've had to pitch to a chair i'll come on to the story in a bit really like brutal and embarrassing and then you've got to go back on the monday again and try again and it's hard it's really hard um but i think that's something that but I, it got it got it got to the point where like, i had to prove to myself i could do it that's what it came down to i thought i have to do this um and um but you're right it, it's it's challenging um for sure and in the face of all those rejections you know getting out of bed in the morning when there's no real need for you to do so does that feeling of you know proving to myself um that I have to do this. Does that wane, or does that does that self that feeling of self belief does that go as well uh, in the face of these rejections? How did you deal maybe with that? If so, I think so. Yeah, I, I think um, we were lucky in the sense that we knew the idea was a good one because companies had raised money. It it was doing well. It just was in a different market with a different founding team, but we knew that it worked. And I think one of the challenges I have massive respect and I met one of the founders when I was in uh, America recently of this company but to be the first person to push this and to convince investors that this was a good idea when no one in the world was doing it um, is 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 very is very hard um, and extremely uh, I've uh, hats off to them because that is difficult um, I think Kabir, Kabir spoke about sort of de-risking entrepreneurship because a lot of people just you know some people just go into it and they're like born with this entrepreneurial spirit whatever whereas yeah. others are like very happy with like you know being in their own lane and then, and then yeah you've, for you you've sort of this idea has come up and i imagine you didn't leave your job you had this fortunate opposite opportunity that if, if it weren't for the idea being one that would work and you know having the money you wouldn't have maybe done it is, is that fair to say or yeah so with our idea the, the, the difficult thing with us is that you, we couldn't do the business without raising money we had we couldn't bootstrap it not a single penny because for us we have to buy companies so for most you can kind of bootstrap it have it as a side gig 
um, get it to a point where it's got some scale and then even then don't raise money. I'll explain a bit why a bit later on, but it, just, it goes as long as you can by yourself. But in ours, you couldn't do that. And we're lucky we've got great investors who've joined us, but we couldn't do it alone from, the, from, from day zero. Um, but if I, if I can, I'll just tell you the story. So, you know, we were, um, we were it was like um, middle of the way through this pitching process and this, this VC were emailing, um, who I can't name, but uh, they, you know, I've been emailing them asking for a for a for a pitch, and he was emailing me back, being really um, really pretty rude on the email. Um, and I said to Ollie, look, we've got a pitch for this person. Let's, you know, just said FYI, these are the emails he sent. I think it's going to be an, uh, an interesting one. He came on, and he started with um, Sam. Just so you know, like I've had a look at you guys. Like you're not that special. Like I've seen other people and you're just not so i don't really know why we're having this conversation but i'm happy to have a conversation but to be honest as i said we look we found another team we're going to back that's how he started the call so here we already you're on the back you're kind of on the side of the back foot anyway we did the pitch we explained why us what we're different etc et and midway through he says stop 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 just 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 wait a minute and he gets up and he goes to his kitchen and obviously he's all working at home is covid so he goes to his kitchen and he, he shouts like yeah like carry on so he's now making a cup of tea in the kitchen and we're pitching to a chair in his in his house and i was looking at ollie like this is super weird <laughs> i don't want to do it anyway anyway i was like anyway, he comes back down after like a bit of the pitch and obviously i couldn't see him so I, he probably wasn't even listening he was like guys look send me your deck and you know I, I probably won't be able to look at it but just send it we were like okay sure anyway didn't send it the company they ended up backing was one of the first ones in our space to go bust um and i don't wish any Badness in any company and any founder. So it's a brutal. That's uh, not what you want. But um, it was just quite funny that this that they they thought they knew so well and told us that. Um, so I'm yeah to your point around it proving proving people wrong. Um, yeah, super 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 pleased that we've done that. Was there an element of? I mean, presumably this person was an established venture capital professional. They've seen businesses before. And going back to my previous point, does your self belief? deteriorate do you question the idea itself when these people are criticizing you in that way and and how would you overcome something like that i mean you know i think it's um one of the things i've realized guys is that the and i think slightly even now um and i go to a vc events um uh, in the u.s and here and like i think ollie and i sometimes are perceived as being pretty green pretty young um and frankly like not taken seriously um, and I think the reason for that is because you know this is our first time it's a first venture and I think what people now I realise investors and having been through this journey is that this is brutal it's been brutal on me personally um, brutal on you know, uh, you know professionally it's super hard you know it's, I have a, a you know you put, you've been family this is 24-7 and what they're what they're weighing up is like do these these people, men and women who are in, who are who are hearing this pitch from, do they have the minerals to stick at this through the worst moments, through the highs and lows, and have bring on a team who are better than them to execute on their vision? And so it's not so much they think the ideas are bad; it's that they don't think you're the best people to do it. And I almost think that's harder. Um, and so I think you know, in retrospect, I kind of I, as a first venture, I think it's been an unbelievable experience. But I do now see. Um, I guess why we had so many no's when we did, and and, and I don't blame people for that. Um, but I think it's taken me to go through the process and speak with other entrepreneurs to kind of understand, you know, the 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 
the, these challenges that, that VCs are seeing? Because obviously most fail, right? Um, like we're at a point now we're raising our Series B where the odds are we're one of 200 horses who are going to jump the final fence here. Um, that's pretty awesome. But um, it's been brutal to get here. Um, an amazing experience, don't get me wrong, but like it, it, it's very challenging. Uh, it's, it's funny that you've got to go to all these people and they've got to pick you. And sort of part of your job is right is picking the right brands itself. You know, actually finding these companies and then deciding which ones are fit for your company. So you're actually doing that decision making. Sort of two questions in this is that how did your experience and time at Amazon and your previous jobs? How does that actually translate into what you do now? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, and also, you've you've got written, got written on uh, Old Sam's LinkedIn and say you're looking for a lucrative niche and a quality product. Yeah. You just like explain exactly what that means. So yeah. So the, the, your first question about how did that, how did what I did feed into now? So I guess it's you know we, my job there was to manage companies on the platform. Do, do you do you shop on Amazon? Yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. You can't not. Yeah. What what, what do you, do you know if you're buying from? A third, like a, a small individual merchant, or do, do you know who you're buying from? Only if I'm on the website, I might notice it. Temp yeah. Inside, maybe. yeah. So I think you know exactly. Most people don't know that, like you know, globally, you know, there are one and a half million small businesses selling on the platform, um, and I got to basically manage a very small subset of these. And as a grad, um, that you know, your job was to basically manage, um, yeah, manage their top line revenue. That was your job to kind of basically, hopefully, the Bottom left, top right, that was the aim across. Um, I worked in the drills category when I started. So DIY and tools was my first ever job. And I had to call up sellers from all over the UK and ask them, hey, do you want to sell on Amazon? And then I'd help them from that first call all the way through to launch. So kind of sales account management um, strategy. Um, that basically, you know, I, I got I saw hundreds of businesses trading on the platform. So I got an intimate knowledge of how these businesses run. What I didn't get to do We'll see the, I guess, back-end plumbing of the supply chain, the sourcing, the uh, branding. I didn't get to see that. But I did get to view what success looks like on the platform. And I was just amazed that people don't know that they're buying from potentially people like you, mm. uh, students like we've done, um, who are selling seven-figure, seven million-plus businesses as a side gig. And that's pretty sick. So this is like really like almost like hidden layer in this ecosystem that people don't know about. I, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Um, and then you get to meet these entrepreneurs and they know people don't know as well. They're like, it's a secret thing. Like I, I sell, you know, uh, uh, foam rollers from my bedroom and no one knows. And I'm crushing it. To, to take a <laughs> billion dollars so over. true. My dad does the same thing. Yeah. He sells, sells clothes. Yeah, it's, uh, and I think that's so cool. We've got these like secret high side houses people don't talk about. They're kind of like, they're sort of guilty but super successful pleasure yeah. until it goes to a point where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. huge. Um, and, um, you know, I think for people listening and yourselves, you know, we get to speak with people who, you know, as I said, like we, 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 um, we've met a husband and wife that own the number one, well, now we own it, but the number one back shaver in America. And they paid to the design, the blades, the, they own the term DIY in the shaving category. So that we, the, you know, Gillette can't use it. We own it. Um, small things like this. And they were running from their bedroom, two of them doing it for 10 mil, just like, just, just the two of them together. Side hustle. Probably a reason why they want to keep that secret. Probably, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so your first point is, yes, um, I, got, I got to see uh, basically how these businesses run. That obviously fed in very nicely with what I'm doing now. Um, and then, sorry, your second question was around... The one, it was about, yeah, lucrative and, 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 and the niches we yeah, look for. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's like, it's in areas where, you know, there's... there's um, 
the products are basically not seasonal, so they're constant throughout the year. And they've got kind of a differentiating factor about them, typically with like some good intellectual property that means no one can copy them or they're very unique. So, um, for example, we own like pets, a pet snuffle mat. So do you guys have dogs, cats? I don't know. Right. So uh, dogs who have autism. Um, apparently dogs have autism. Uh, some, some dogs do. And it helps them forage and, and rummage. And, the, and you kind of pour the food inside the snuffle mat and um, has some IP around it. And it's um, obviously pets blew up in COVID. So that's done really well. So it's, it's, it's things that kind of like, you know, really differentiated designs or branding or aesthetics in, in very popular categories. So you have, are you a venture capital companies in a way? People say, well, kind of like private equity, uh, but with a big operations team. So we kind of balance the, the two. Um, On those lucrative niches, mm. how do you actually go about finding them then? So you've got this massive team now um, for a startup and you know, actually designating what mm. each person does and uh, what is the makeup of the company? What kind of employees do you have? And mm. yeah, what is your process of finding these people? Great question. So, you know, this is like we initially we didn't know how to get in touch with them. Um, but I remember going to a, a printing shop near, near where I lived and I printed out 100 flies, little test order 100 flies, sent them out in the post because I thought no one gets post anymore. Um, everyone gets email and kind of, you know, quite sort of cold outreach. So I spent ages designing these flies and um, got zero replies to the flies. Um, so I said, oh, yeah, it hasn't worked. Uh, no replies. Um, however, there was uh, a company, so on Amazon, you get to see when you click on there's a way you can click on a seller and you can see the information and in the UK we've got companies house and stuff so you can kind of see who the owner is where they live and actually what we did was we used a th- a, in the very early days before anyone knew about Old Sam um, a third party who were kind of like their job is to do outreach um, for what we call off market deals people who weren't looking to sell uh, and they, they approach them uh, directly and go hey we've got someone who's interested and having that that degree of separation really helped us and people don't feel too much pressure um, and then actually now, like we're now pretty well known. So people come to us and they know us in the space and we sponsor events and we get a lot of inbounds. So sellers come to us and they ask, well, how do I, how do I maximize the valuation? Should I invest more in IP? Should I launch in the US? Um, stuff like this. So we get a lot of inbounded approaches now. So um, it's changed over time, but um, yeah, it's a kind of a hybrid. Yeah. So what are the employees like doing? How are you maximizing what yeah. you're doing? So and I... also just how are, you, how are you managing them? Because it's always interesting to know somebody's individual management style. Mm-hmm. So we have a team who do investments in M&A. So their job is to you know um, value deals and then and then go through the process. And we've got a someone who the first ever application we had at Old Sam was from someone at LSE who, who you know um, uh, is now with us still now uh, three years on. So um, he's you know been exposed to um, over thirty uh, M and A transactions, which is pretty epic for 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 someone who's you know just it was their first proper formal job. Um, we've got a team then who do integrations, so they kind of bring on the business, they then bring it into our onto our platform. That's super challenging. Um, then you've got a team who do the finance. Um, you've got the branding, uh, the brand operations team who do a lot of um, you know the, they basically do the marketing. So they're they're the, they're the seller, so they sit in between all the different functions. And then we've got a supply chain team who do demand planning, forecasting, buying, shipping. Um, and then we've got um, advertising. They do social media, they do Google ads, they do uh, the Amazon advertising. Um, I think, you know, one of the things, I mean, I don't, now we have a management team who are fantastic at managing um, their respective functions, but 
um, I still like to have that proximity to people and I and, and people I think I don't know if they like me being too close <laughs> to what they're doing but I like being close to what they're doing I like to know how people are feeling um, the challenges they're having um, so kind of doing that in a way that I'm not going over you know uh, people's heads um, but in a way that's kind of uh, I want to help um, so um, I, I, I feel in general as a first time founder my management style is very much um, to be candid, um, it's our first time doing this. We've got no idea. Um, every day is super challenging. Every day it is new and I don't know. Um, so when we hired our management team, what we always said in the interview was, you know, we expect you to know. And if you don't know, that's absolutely fine. But you need to help find out. We'll help you, but very much, you know, you need to help us. Um, and that's the challenge of working with first time founders, not experienced operators. Uh, and they were you know broadly bought into that so um i kind of i guess my style is like very keen to help but also recognizing that for me it's also very new as well so i can't i can't give you the answer every time um type 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 uh, type thing a quick ad break to talk about london tap water Nellif, did you know one in five bladder cancer cases are caused by the tap water that we drink i didn't know but this is why we're proud to have water two as sponsors of the podcast Water2 is a new water company serving the water in aluminium cans and via home filters called pods, which plug in under your tap to bring you bottled water on tap. Amazing, right? Backed by years of research at University College London, the tech behind the water is over a thousand times more powerful than our common Brita filter. It's a totally groundbreaking company. We recently had the founder, Charles, on the podcast, and we're both regular drinkers of Water2. It's something we really live by. It's better for you, safer for you, and better for the environment. So, to get your own pod, head over to water2.com. Health starts with hydration, and you deserve more than just hot water. So, on a more sort of personal thing, yeah. Um, a question we sort of like to ask all of, mm. I guess, is, you know, you, when you first graduated out of, yeah. of university, we were talking a bit outside of here, you know, you just didn't feel like you wanted to do something that was very like you know, straight edge, you know, just like a big corporation where all you know something like law or consulting, and you always felt like this entrepreneurial spirit was within you or doing something for yourself. Yeah. How, what were like the steps actually making that come to fruition? Then, like you know, you have this sort of feeling within inside you. How did you know that this was like the right step? Other than like talking about sort of time and, and COVID and everything. Mm. What were the actual like mental steps been like? Okay, I feel prepared to do this because mm. obviously you went into Amazon and, and you got your experience there. You know, what, what did that look like? Well, the truth is, guys, is you know, it, it, the ironic thing is, if COVID hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here with you now, and I'd be still in America working for Vive Dream because I was having a great time. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I was putting a kind of putting my, 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 my back against the wall to make a decision. Um, quite an uncomfortable position. Um, so why did I make that decision? Because to be honest, there were two options for me right then. One was I moved back to the UK, living with mum well, you know, and dad during COVID. It wasn't looking awesome. Um, well, uh, it's great to live with them, but you know, it wasn't kind of how I, how I thought things were going to plan out. And I was going to have to get a job um, you know, there was a, a thought in my mind, potentially back at Amazon, potentially, you know, at another uh, another company in the UK um, in its e-commerce retail, which was which was cool, 
but that wasn't what I had planned. Um, and I kind of thought it is, it is literally this, this is the idea. And I'm going to have a huge swing at it because I have to, or I don't really know. To be, I, don't, I didn't really know what the, 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 the option was. And I knew it'd be, it would always work out. It's always fine. But I, I wasn't super sure I'd be super happy. And I'd come from a place of being cloud nine every day in America. So kind of quite a um, change in, 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 in positioning. Um, so if you'd asked me, like, Sam, imagine, you know, would I have done this if I was in a really comfortable position, job really happy in America? Probably, probably not. Truthfully, probably not. Um, so I, I think I admire people who kind of take the leap whilst they're in quite comfortable jobs. Because mm. uh, I think that's hard. Yeah, it sounds like something from, you know, what you were doing at Amazon to start your own thing. Mm. And it sounds like something that you've always been sort of interested in is, is the branding of a product and, and the actual like, sales of it, right? And, and I want to ask you as a sort of expert of sorts on branding, what makes in your opinion, a brand stand out? Like, when you look at who to take on to Olsam, um, or just even when you were doing Amazon, what, what what really stood out to you and made you want to, you know, buy the product? Yeah, so I'd caveat, I'm, I'm, I'm not a branding expert. <laughs> people, people, you've got great marketeers and branders, but I think, um, you know, with my own brand, what I did was, I, I sort of saw, I, I, do you, have you heard of the brand um, Smithsons? They make, they're a luxury stationery brand in the UK. They're oh, yeah, I have that. They're really expensive, super overpriced, um, and they sell, they were opening lots of stores in America, so I was tracking their retail stores where they're opening, and they were expanding New York, San Francisco, LA. I was like, There's obviously demand for a heritage British brand, um, and I, I, I sort of like took elements of what they'd built and added my own kind of twist to it, stuff that I'd seen from, you know, um, other, other, I read a lot of like magazines, Monocle magazines, stuff like this, that I've seen like things that I really like and I save them down. Um, and I kind of like pulled them all together uh, and created this. But what I'd say is like at All Sound, we hired some, a creative team who, um, the way like true creatives think about brand and to see how their mind works and how they think about buying a brand and then actually turbocharging and taking it to a new level is really amazing how some creative minds think and the inspiration that drives them to, to, to come up with these new brands. And, and um, you know, we had we bought the number two back shaver in America and we had to come up with a brand for that. And, and we had a there's a place nearby here, a photo studio near here where we used, we had models come in and, and we created a, 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 we got inspiration from you know, other, other, other brands in totally separate categories and, and kind of took inspiration from that and added our own twist. Um, so um, my, what I do is really seek inspiration from, from, from products and brands that I think are pretty aspirational, um, that are quirky, super different. Um, and then I kind of think, can I apply that from that category to this category? What elements can I take? And I think that's fine because, by the way, brands do copy each other. They do, and they, and, and and they lift, and they, they they may call it inspiration. But the fact is, that everyone's looking at each other, and 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 uh, um, so I, I'm pretty open about that. That, that that's how I do it. Um, yeah, and for a brand to grow, other than being like a standout brand, like, in my head, another thing, one thing that would would really help take it to the next level is sort of who they know and 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 who they're knowing who they're selling to, right? And mm. and on in a sort of for students as well, you know, we all see the importance of networking and how that can sort of improve your career and your, yeah. your prospects. Yeah. But in an actual like growing a company, like how how is knowing people and and what is the process of 
of meeting more people? What does that actually look like to help yeah. grow Ulsan? Yeah, that is a great question. So before I answer that, do you both like networking? Do I, you like it? I like doing podcasts, which I guess is sort of networking. Yeah, right? that's a great way of networking. <laughs> you got the basic, <laughs> really yeah. Correct, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, do do you um like, if you went to a uh, like a drinks like a sort oh. of a uh, like a like a do you, do you like to go into these 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 no, yeah. I found it awkward. I'd rather yeah. talk to them about like football or something. Do you mm. know what I mean, like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people try and be people that are not in these kind of events, which is why, like, the more informal, the better for me. Why is that? Why? Do, why do you not? Uh, you just actually say and you get the value you want from them, right? Like, mm. and, and like, I think some people kind of come to you like wanting a solution or like wanting them just to go like, oh, I'm going to make your life better or I'm going to get you to the next step without actually like you offering them like. A personality they'd want to latch onto or anything like that. So I feel like, you know, one of the reasons why I think podcasts is a good way of doing it is because you can kind of show, you can build a rapport just by asking engaging questions or, or having a chat outside the studio, or whatever it is. Um, totally. And it also levels the playing field. So if I go yeah. to a networking event as a student, speaking to loads of people who have done loads of great things, yeah, I don't even feel within my right to have act in a personable yeah. way it's, I'm feeling yeah. I'm acting the most asking the generic questions that I feel that yeah. I won't feel embarrassed in asking these yeah. but I will not extract anything really yeah. meaningful for anyone yeah. um, so I guess yeah that, that's kind of a yeah. one of the main reasons I really hate networking about yeah. it no I think it's because <laughs> the talent you're, you're kind of asking people for things you, you feel like you're asking for something in, in, in a way that's kind of well, the person you don't even know like, do you like do, you, do, do we know each other mm. yes and uh, to your question I, I think um we, if I look back and think about why, how have we got to where we, we are now, um, there are people and individuals who we met very early on, even now, we're still very on our, early on in our journey, who helped us. I think because we just we really got on and, and um, that personal connection was super important. And I think, and I'll, I'll give an example. So we... Um, I was on LinkedIn and we posted our head of um, head of M and A role, so head of doing the acquisitions. And this 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 individual re- reached out to reached out to Oli and I. I was like, "Hey guys, like, I can see you're doing this uh, kind of roll up. I've been following it in the US. Looks pretty interesting. Would love to chat and learn about it." And um, we, we started. Uh, I was like, "This is really we're in stealth mode on LinkedIn. You can't see who we are." And we started chatting and uh, had a few emails and then had a you know, had a call and we just got on really well. And this this person is super senior in technology investing, um, and uh, in, in in Europe. And you know, purely because we just we genuinely get on really well, and we were just asking it literally just for advice. He has literally opened doors for us that we couldn't have possibly imagined, both in terms of hiring, in terms of um, uh, connections to other people um, to get advice from. And I think you know one of the things. Um, you know, I think um, where I'm going with this is like, if you are to your point, like just really genuine and you don't go with, you're very open about your intentions and, and, and very forthcoming about it. People by and large are really, really helpful. Um, but the hard thing is, is getting those, getting those introductions and getting those, uh, getting those uh, opportunities. And I would say that Ollie and I typically about, if I asked that question a year and a half ago, I said, I, I hate networking. I'm never going to go. And then I went to America and I was invited, Wally and I were invited to a couple of events there, you know, and I, I sat next to one of the co-founders, you know, of, um, sorry, he was the CFO of Revolut, you know, the banking, uh, banking, uh, 
banking yeah, app yeah, and, and yeah and i met um other people super senior entrepreneurs founder of transferwise um wow. and they are amazing networkers and it's not just like you know they're just like chatting like we are now they just are very good at meeting people and uh, getting the feel of people because actually um you know the relationships that you forge in startups they last for years investors it's 10 years um you know employees hopefully to exit um so people you need to like you and what i'd say is um i'm trying to get better at it i'm still not very good at it um but it's super important to your point and if you have the opportunity to do it and do it in a way that's light touch so you know going to whatever feels most natural to you do do it because you never know when they're going to come and help you uh, later on um, in my opinion i think like when you when you know when I, when you know that they are there for the same reason as you and you've kind of established like you know let's cut the bullshit like this is we're both here to meet people i feel like once that sort of barrier has been broken you can actually just start you know having the conversations mm. you want to have um because i feel like that's a very sounds easy but it's very hard to come across genuine when you know you're going there to play the the networking game yeah it's tough yeah yeah um, yeah yeah. super hard but yeah super hard um if you've got that contact then at this event or, or anything yeah. like that how do you develop that and keep that say for the the, the years to come and, and almost for a rainy day when you may need it T- totally you got to know exactly you got to come update them and share share the share the highs and lows and one of the challenges as, as, as a founder is what do you share and not share what what's appropriate to share and what's kind of hey i kind of need your help we've got this challenge that's that's hard i'm still we're still getting that that balance right but you're, you're totally right because you know some people they they will help you when you need them absolutely most um and you might only have one option to use that calling card and um you know, we haven't had that. I can't think of any tangible examples of that for me. But like, um, you're right. You need to can, kind of continue just to. But but it should feel like literally. Let's let's grab a let's grab a coffee or like let's um, you know, grab a beer. Whatever it is that feels natural for you guys. Go to a VR game. Whatever is like the most normal thing. Just do that. And it should feel like it should be fun. It should never be like, oh, I got to bring my PowerPoint or I need to like prepare something. Mm. Like that that if, if it feels like that, probably is not the right um, the right uh, the right match. Um, it should be really fun. Yeah, it, it feels like a long time ago in this conversation that you mm. said this, and and you sort of mentioned this uh, networking event that you went to in America, and you said how good it was for you going abroad mm. and, and how you would advertise that experience. So, what what are your thoughts on moving abroad to work? To yeah, work and, and how has that opened your eyes? So I'm I'm really passionate about this topic, and, and I don't know if if um, you know you guys have thought about it or you know people are listening to this have ever thought about uh, so let me, let me just think of, let me just explain my thought process so you finish uni and you're coming to the end of uni and you're kind of like okay i you know i want to do a job in the uk i think but not a big company i kind of want to you know maybe like do a startup <clears throat> um but you know you don't find anything here that you like and you kind of want a sense of adventure where do you go? How, how do you? What what, what 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 platform is there out there to help you find uh, opportunities abroad um, for temporary, not for years, but let's say I want a year. Well, let's say you've broken up with your girlfriend, your job's not going well, I need to change the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think um, the 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 the, um, the the what I learned and what I wanted was a kind of a change of scene and a new adventure, a new challenge. And so um, I went on this program that basically uh, places you with companies, um, kind of like, I guess, kind of like Jumpstart, but uh, in the US. 
and I wanted to get international experience so I could put my CV. I've worked in a US company. What's it called? It's called the Mountbatten program. Um, but you know, amazing experience. Um, but for, there are downsides to it and upsides to it. Um, downsides are you share a room with someone. Upside is I shared with an awesome guy uh, who was wicked, um, who you know was just recently divorced um, and wanted a change of career. And with him, it's so it's so expensive in America. You have to you know, it was all, all, all was the most appropriate option for me. But they take care of the visa, they place you with jobs, um, and it, it works. Some people doesn't work for others, and they're very open about that. Um, but for me, I went for the experience, and I love New York, and as a city that is just like so much going on, amazing opportunities. Um, you know, bigger than London, um, amazing startup hub. And you get to work in with the US, a US company, and see how they do things. Yeah, how, how did you, I mean, in different countries, I imagine there's sort of almost a different approach and philosophy to work, you know. Yeah. And I think like, I worked abroad for a bit in, in Canada and Spain. And for me, I just, it's not evidently clear what you take from them, but just that diversity, diversity of... Um, workforce and, and knowing sort of different brains and different approaches to everything i yeah. imagine that's really paid off for you as an entrepreneur now yeah my, i think I, I like to think i had a bit of an exposure to how you, uh, american companies think and um as i said we've got a u.s company we acquire we acquire a lot of u.s brands and one of the teams are, uh, they still work for us in california you know they only have um like 14 days holiday with all sound they get 20 um which is obviously still not quite on the uk but amazing for the u.s um, and the work ethic is pretty impressive, extremely commercial. Um, you know, the way they think, the way they think about, and this is actually, this is what I'm getting at this, the way they think about numbers and growth and scale, you know, I would never, if I were doing a consumer goods cut, a product, I wouldn't launch it in the UK, I'd just launch it in America uh, to begin with, because, you know, to give you, an, the way they think about for an R space, you know, we're, we're doing nearly, you know, over 30 million now in, in, in sales, and, um, and and for them, like they're thinking, like a hundred is kind of the equivalent. It's just the sense of ambition and scale. And the second thing is the way they look at risk and failure. And I'm sure I don't know if you've heard about this before, but the way they think about failure is like it's like you've taken loads of learnings, and it's a good thing. Obviously, I did not fail, but it's like don't worry, Peter, you failed. But like, want to hear, tell them about it, like why, uh, and, and, and what and what went wrong. Whereas in the UK, it's like. It's not great. It's kind of a bit of a bad smell, you know. So you sort of, and, and that's such a shame. But in the US, they 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 celebrate in success, and they all celebrate in failure, and that's so energizing. And that's what I love about these founders is, you know, a lot of these entrepreneurs they fail, fail, and then boom to the moon, smash it. Um, and that's why I kind of wish we had a bit more of here. Um, but that's why it's so energizing. If anyone listening like wants to do their own company or wants to kind of like see what I'm talking about, just do try and get out there, um, and, and and see that. Yeah, in this conversation, we've we've covered so many topics and so many different stages of your, of your career. The way we like to sort of wrap up the episode is mm. you know, asking the question of when you first graduated from university, what did success look like to you then? And, and now you're actually, you know, you're an, an entrepreneur, you've got your own company and you look into the future. What does success look like for you now and, and, and going forward? So I think when I left uni, success for me was um, getting a job in a sector that was growing, that was going to matter in years to come. Um, and e-commerce wasn't going anywhere. Back in I think, 2014, 2015, Amazon wasn't, I mean, it was, it was still huge, don't get me wrong, but 
I knew this company was going places. All the news was covering it. So I wanted to be part, I wanted to ride a wave that was get, it was going to be part of an sh- explosive sector, was number one. And then two, I think, just like at the time, success was, um, you know, uh, riding behind a really supportive, successful boss and finding someone who was like, I can, if I stay close to the, him or her, um, I'm going to go places. Uh, and I call it success because finding those individuals, it's not easy. You've got to navigate. It's not, it's, not, it's not easy to do. So those are the two things. Now, success is um, because, I'm, because of, of what we're trying to build. And, 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 and I think success for me is, um, you know, having and constantly learning is the main thing. Uh, I would like to, I obviously would love to succeed. But if I don't, I know I have learned so much from this. I, I, I will be successful at some point. Um, so um, if it's not this, I will be. Um, this will be successful. Um, will it be the most successful thing I do? I don't know. Um, but I know the learnings have been so valuable and will continue to be valuable. That for me is important. The day that I'm kind of um, kind of like it's just repetitive, that isn't, that isn't, that isn't, uh, that isn't ideal. Um, and then I think the other thing, success now is like, you know, I want. I think um, I want to build a place where people love working and really, really are genuinely happy what they do here. Um, we have like employee um, surveys and stuff, and success is building a company where people genuinely are like this is awesome, and um, I am happy personally working here. That's hard to do, mm-hmm. but if I can do that and make people genuinely enjoy it, that's I'd be I'd be pretty pretty pleased with that. Amazing. And one last thing, yeah. we're just introducing it, piloting it today for this episode. All right. Each episode's guests share amazing advice. But what about learning from each other in terms of the guests? Would you want to share one piece of advice for the next guest? We don't even know who that's going to be yet, um, that they can maybe take into their own life. Ooh. (laughs) It's probably the first one. Um, Yes. My advice would be, and it's pretty trite to say this because it's obviously pretty obvious, but... um, you know, it, it's it's um, don't enjoy the ride because um, I look back on uh, the last couple of uh, years and there are times where it's worked out and I wish I'd enjoyed it more. Um, it would have been more fun for everyone around me if I just slightly, um, as I said, things do work out. They do. Everyone has a vested interest to make sure it does. So even when it's tough, assuming they're, an entrepreneur or a business owner but even if they're not um, just enjoy the journey you're on um, it does work out thank you so much this has been an amazing conversation I think students all around you know our listenership will, will take so much from this and um, so yeah thanks so much for the for the chat and uh, it's been a pleasure yeah, cheers mate thanks very much for having me it's been a, an awesome awesome experience and I hope it was of, uh, of any value if anyone is interested in a career at All Sam yeah. please do reach out uh, we're always looking for um, you know, uh, uh, exciting, uh, exciting individuals to come join our company. So please reach out. It's Sam at All Sam Group.